Welcome to Coaches and Conversations, where we remove the veil and talk about what it's really like to be a woman building a business online. Because here, it's not just business, it's personal. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach and Business Strategist, Tavana Denise. Let's dive in. Veronica, I have been waiting so excitedly for this conversation because when you and I started talking about the possibility of having one of these open conversations, like you were initially saying like people ask how I made 100K in my business and and I had these kids that I had to take care of and a husband I had to pay alimony to and all of that stuff. And I was like, "Er, wait a minute. All of that's great about the 100K, but I want to know <laughs> the backstory about the kids and leaving corporate and paying alimony. So thank you so much for taking me up on the invitation to just have this real raw, open, honest conversation about the backstory, because uh, I think so many people, women, people socialize as women, listen in and they watch the stories of the 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 seemingly like media rise of these women in business making six figures and more. And they think that their life is just perfect behind the scenes, that they have no troubles and that they make all this money and then all, and, or they, they make all the money and all the troubles go away. And so thank you so much for being willing to share your story with us. And before we just dive into all of it, I want you to please tell the people a little bit about what you do in the online space. Yes. Well, first of all, you're welcome, Tavana, uh, for, you know, for having this conversation and thank you for having me here. And, and especially thank you for, for having these conversations. I think these kinds of openness and authenticity, that's what my work is all about is authenticity and openness and, and sharing these things with people is so important. So I so appreciate what you do and thank you for, for having these conversations. So yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I worked in corporate America for 20 years as a consultant, and I was in what I now acknowledge was a psychologically abusive marriage for 16 years, left that marriage. And after I did and went through the whole healing process and realized that I really wanted to work with people and help people. And um, so I started working as a intuitive guide and mentor uh, first supporting people who had had similar experiences as myself in psychologically abusive relationships and helping them get to that place of healing and, and feeling peace and freedom. Um, because when you've been in such a terrible situation for so long, you feel very stuck and there's a, a lot of layers of healing that have to happen. Um, and then through the sort of success of my coaching program, I also started working with um, entrepreneurs and supporting them um, and getting their businesses off the ground. So that's what I do now. And as you said, I left my career of 20 years and I'm full-time um, doing this, this business now. So, so that's interesting. Cause it's, it's always like, I, I think a lot of us go into coaching and we do it because there's something that we figured out or we healed within ourselves or we see other people with, and we want to help. And so I'm like curious were when you first left corporate, were you, you were specifically working with people who had been in psych, psychologically abusive relationships? Is that? Yes, something? exactly. Okay. 
So tell me what that was like. Like, did you feel like you had it figured out when you went to start helping people with that? And how did that affect your, your first earnings? Because I think sometimes if we don't think we figured it out, we have a little, like a little wobble in like the little imposter syndrome and stuff like that. So what was that like for you knowing that either you had just like, tell me a little bit of the timeline. Had you already completed the divorce and healed or were you going through it when you were starting to reach back and help other people? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I had left my marriage. And by the way, when I left, I didn't know it was abusive. I kind of figured that out. It sounds weird, but manipulation is such a different type of abuse, you know? And I figured that out as part of my healing process. And I got to a place where um, I had this, mo- I really did have this like moment, this sort of epiphany or awakening where I realized that I was feeling joy and peace pretty much like consistently, more or less. I mean, life is life, but my sort of baseline was this state of calm. And I'm somebody who I'd suffered with depression most of my life. I'd also suffered with physical illnesses, chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and and autoimmune conditions and all these things. And so to all of a sudden be in a place where I was like, oh my goodness, I'm pain-free and I'm, and I'm happy. Um, And I kind of looked around and now you can hear my dog walking through my kitchen. <laughs> I can't hear it at all. You can't hear it. Okay. It's uh-uh. really loud when she walks in here. I apologize. <laughs> Drinking water. Okay. You might cut that out later. So um, I got to this place where I felt really good. And I literally, I looked around myself and realized that most people at best are flat. And um, at worst are actually in a lot of pain, either in you know, depression or abusive relationships and dealing with living with really terrible situations. And I honestly felt like obligated. It sounds a little extreme, but I did. I felt obligated to, to support people and being able to get to that place of joy. Cause I really think that that is how we were intended to live. And we've lost as a society. I feel like we've lost that. So that's where I was at. I, I was feeling really good in myself and I wanted to support other people in getting to that place. So to answer your question, I was, I had left, um, I had left my marriage. I was a few years out and felt really good about the healing that I had gone through and that I had something to share. I was still in my corporate job and I started um, learning how to start my business while I was still working full time. So that was fun. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, and I felt very confident at first, actually, I didn't actually have the imposter syndrome at first. Cause I was like, I got this, I got stuff to share with people. <laughs> um, but as you probably know, some of that does come up as you start working with people and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, is what I learned enough to support you? Um, am I going to meet the expectations of my clients? That was a big one for me. Maybe that's the imposter syndrome is, um, is when people started giving me money to help them. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, is what I'm giving you matching your expectations for what you're investing for sure. Well, what do you think like a little sidebar, what do you think that's about? Because I find that so many of us have that little, like meeting people's expectations now that you, a single individual person is giving me money as opposed to, I and I correct me if I'm wrong, very few of us 
have that, oh my gosh, am I going to meet their expectations if we're, we're getting money from an organization? From a company, right? Isn't that true? Right. Like you get your paycheck and you kind of feel like you're supposed to get your paycheck. Right. So what is that <laughs> all about? You Do you have any it. ideas about that? <laughs> you know, it's a really good question. And I think it's different things for different people, but I do think there's something when it's like that person, like if your boss came up to you and like handed you the money and it was like out of their own personal account, maybe that would feel a little different. I think there's something we can depersonalize it when it's a company. Um, Mm -hmm. But now it's this one person that has expectations of you. And I think it it does come from, um, this is something I talk about a lot in my work is, you know, what are you, um, are you, do you feel responsible for the other person's emotions? Is there some level of codependency? Is there some level of low self-worth that makes you question whether or not you're good enough? So I think when, when we're accepting money from a person, all of our shadows come up and come, come out to play. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that's what that's about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just had to sidebar on that for a second because I had her, I've heard it and seen it with my clients so many times where right. they're like, yeah, like these are women who are making six figures, multiple six figures in healthcare, in the corporate space. And suddenly when they get like, when they come over to the, the business side, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to take money from people. And I'm like, what, <laughs> you yeah. know? And so it, it's always fascinated to me. Um, but then, so you had been out of the, the relationship for a while and you were tr- now, this is interesting. You were um, doing the consulting for corporate full time. You yeah. had three kids that you had custody of. Is that correct? Correct. I had shared custody with my ex. Yeah. Okay. And you had to pay alimony. So how did that work? Why are you paying support. him? That's fascinating. <laughs> oh, Tavada, that's like a whole another podcast. But yes, I was paying Um, my ex, both child support and alimony, because we had shared custody. So for the time that the kids were with him, I paid him child support and alimony. And that came out because I was the breadwinner uh, when we were married. And that's sort of a whole another discussion of sort of the abuse and manipulation, right? So I was the breadwinner. There's a lot of people who experience financial abuse in the reverse, where the person where they don't have access to finances. But in a way, it became sort of a another f- way for him to manipulate me and for him to play the victim. So he never attempted to earn money and to um, increase his earning potential when we were together. And I actually, when we were together, I very much supported him. And what do you want to do? You know, and he went back to school and I supported him in going back to school and he started his own business and I supported him in starting his own business. Um, but I was the breadwinner. And so by California law, I had to pay him. Um, There's really, it was really very black and white. What's really interesting to me, Tavana, is that everyone has a negative reaction to it. They're like, he's a man, you're a woman, why are you paying him? And I do find that kind of interesting because if it was the reverse, if I was the man and he was the woman, everyone would be like, make sure you get your alimony, make sure you get your child support. And they wouldn't even question it. So on the one hand, there's, I, I think it's interesting how our perspectives are, are reversed, but, or, or how our perspectives are on that. But um, at the same time, it was a form of manipulation and continues to be, um, he continues to not try to earn any money so that he can continue to get money from me. 
Um, so that's been an, an ongoing, uh, an ongoing thing. Yeah. What was your question? I'm sorry. Um, I, I was just curious about like, what was it like to have the three little kids and be responsible for them and be paying him and be dealing with your full-time job, right? So yeah. you've got all of that responsibility. And I think really just the question of, for me, it wasn't a negative. It was just like, oh, that's surprising that you had to pay alimony. And just yes. like you said, it's just California, California and New York are very interesting states when it comes to like, this is how we run things. Yes. But um, our curiosity in terms of you having to pay the alimony, having the kids and all of that, and, and you making the decision to leave corporate with all of that financial responsibility on your back is more so what I was thinking about. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was difficult. And um, my kids were older, they were teenagers at this point. So, or young preteens and teenagers. And so there was a lot that they're able to do for themselves. So there, there was that as well. Um, and also I was very fortunate in that the position I had in corporate, I was at a management level and I was able to work from home and I was able to set my own, I had a lot of flexibility in my hours. So I didn't have somebody over, you know, looking over my shoulder going, okay, you have to punch in at a certain time. You have to punch out at a certain time. So all of those you things. Like me at the hospital, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's a whole different dynamic when you've got to be somewhere at a certain time, you know, for your job. So that flexibility is what allowed me to really even be able to start thinking about having my own, um, you know, leaving and having my own business. Um, but I will say that it was not easy and um, I did give up my health. <laughs> I did give up my health during that time period, not intentionally. And it's something that now I'm still kind of working on getting back into balance now that I have I'm fully left uh, my corporate job. And, um, you know, why, why did I make that choice finan when I had all these financial obligations? It really comes back to that. It was just like, I felt so strongly called to do something. Um, and I just, I could not stay in corporate America anymore. I, I just couldn't, I, it was, it just felt so heavy and like my soul was dying. Um, and I just knew that I had to do something else. So I, for me, it was really important for me to not continue juggling a full-time job and my kids and my business. It was really important for me to be able to earn to make my business successful and leave my job as quickly as possible. So some people may choose to, to just juggle that for a long period of time, like allow their business to build slowly. And I was like, I cannot do all of this for an extended period of time. So I kind of jumped in and was like, I need to get it done. Let me get my business going and let me quit my job as soon as possible, which also meant that like I was in a pressure cooker for that, for that period of time. But here's the thing, like you made that conscious decision and you did it and you were like 100K. Now, how long did you take to, to make it to 100K? In my first 12 months. Yeah. So you were like, okay, we're going to be I was like, I'm doing it. Cooker, but, yeah. we're, but we're getting out of this corporate thing. And, and it's interesting, something that you said about like you, in a sense, traded your health for yeah. for that 100K and now you're working back to it. And, and I've been in that same place too, where um, it's like at least for me, I just felt an intense pressure to hurry up and get there, the there being yes. 100K so that I could leave the job. And then I'm left with the, the side effects 
of that trade-off that that yep. I had. And and I, I'm kind of pausing here because you're not the first person that I've talked to on this podcast that has said the very similar things like we're working, it's not health. And so I wonder if you have any thoughts about why you think that might be happening to us. And, and do you think it's maybe just the women or the men or both, or like, what do you think is contributing to that? Yeah, that's a really good question. If it's women or men or both, um, I think in general, what's contributing to that is, is that we're not taught to take care of ourselves, you know, especially as women, I think we're taught to give and to take care of everything around us. And so when we're doing something like starting a business, we're taking care of our business, we're taking care of our kids, we're, we're taking care of our coworkers if we have, you know, some other job, we're always taking care of others. And so I think that's what contributes to that. It was interesting for me because something that I talk about a lot with my clients is self-care and putting yourself first. And so I try, I thought that I was doing that. You know, I, I have a, a morning routine and I meditate every day and I walk every day and I really am mindful of my stress. And, um, and yet when I really stopped and looked at it, I was not taking care of myself. Um, so was it because, was it because I was falling into that trap of taking care of everyone else? Um, for me, I think it was just the pressure to be successful. Like I needed my business to work because I wanted, I wanted to be free. I wanted to be free from being tied to my corporate job. And that freedom was just pushing me. And, um, I was just, I was like, I need to be free at all costs is sort of where, where it came from. And actually I just had a light bulb when I said that. I wonder if, if that was part of my healing process too, from leaving an abusive relationship, because you are so not allowed to be yourself when you're in an abusive relationship and the need to be free from that abuse and, and just free to be yourself, um, becomes so such a compelling thing. And I just realized in this moment, as you and I are talking, that that was the same feeling I had with my job. I'm like, I have to leave. I have to be free. Um, it was, my job was in my mind connected to my ex and connected to that situation. And I just had to get away from it all. Um, so there was an, I, there was an intense amount of pressure on, on myself to make my business work. And, th and that was why I chose to not, to not take care of myself. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's interesting. One of my mentors say you, you have to hustle to hundred K and I, I just find that to be the case over and over and over again. And I just wonder if there's a way, as I continue to hear this theme come up for us, if there's something that we recognize now that we maybe can share with those who are not quite yeah. there where they they would make the same choices i won't call them mistakes but the same choices same choices it's a really good question i know that like where i'm at now with no longer having another job and it's just and just focusing on my business i am much more relaxed and i take care of myself a lot more and i'm finding that balance so, you know, I hear a lot of business owners or the sort of the mentality that if you have your own business, you have to be hustling all the time. And for, I don't personally agree with that. And I, and I have a much more relaxed approach with my business now. I think in that first, for me in that first year, 
there is so it's such a steep learning curve you know it well depends on it depends I guess on where you're coming from for me at least it was a steep learning curve of learning how to market my business and and also I was new to coaching so I was also there was a huge learning curve for my actual technical skills Mm -hmm. and um and then I put the pressure on myself to do it on, on in a short amount of time and looking back would I have done things differently it is so hard to answer because I honestly don't know how I could have, I had to pay my bills. Uh, I had to, I wanted to start my business and starting my business by nature was a huge learning curve. I think doing it slower is one way of not putting yourself in that pressure cooker. For me, I think it would have felt worse to do that for years, you know, for two or three years of having a job, which I think is what you did, right? You stayed in the, in yeah, your well, hospital job. until COVID put me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you did that. So you did both for a long period of time. And so I, since I haven't experienced that, I don't know what that would have been like, but mentally it felt worse to do that. So mm. I don't really, I don't really, oh, I do have an answer. Um, Yes. And I know this is something that you preach to Tamana is, um, you don't have to do it all yourself. Like get that admin assistant, get your kids to help you out, whatever it is, like delegate. Yeah. You don't have to learn. I was trying to learn all aspects of my business myself. And I'm like, I don't need to wear all the hats. (laughs) I mean, I think when it comes to, and you're right about the steep learning curve, you're cramming basically like an MBA, but for business into whatever time frame right. you choose, right? And, and maybe the measuring stick is like graduation is when you, you finish and you've learned all the things so that you get to a point where you can earn 100K, maybe, right. I don't know. I'm just coming up with that on the spot, but it's like so, so many things that you, that you have to learn and have to learn. we get to decide if we slow walk it and we only take a few credits a year, or if we just try to oh, like, right. cram all of the credits into a, a couple of years. Um, yeah. And- like cramming all the credits into a short period of time and supporting yourself at the same time. And there's students who do that, right? There are students out there who are in school full-time and working full-time. Right. That's yeah. basically what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a personal choice because Anka was on here before Anka Dr. Dr. T was on here before and she was like no way I could have done that she's like I had to make sure you know had all my ducks in a row financial ducks and business was at a certain place and I was just like well COVID kicked me out and then here you are on the other spectrum was like I put the pressure on myself to get out as quickly as possible so uh, thank you for that example because I think what I'm really hoping to highlight by having all people from different walks of life, different niches, different backgrounds, and all of this is that there is no one way to grow, start, grow, build, scale a business. And also Tavana, just to look, you know, just to highlight, there's the, the ugly, right. With the behind the scenes ugliness. I mean, my, so yeah, I was working and I was building my business and I had my three kids, Um, you know, my house, disaster <laughs> right wait what do you there's, mean there's by disaster no there's different on. levels to that <laughs> you know family meals you know we used to sit down for family dinners right those kind of went away 
And so everything is a trade, everything is a trade-off and, and you're right. You know, there were so there's people that came to me that were like, oh my gosh, you were so successful so quickly. Um, can you show me how you did it? And I'm like, well, what are you willing to give up? You know, are you willing to give up your social life? Are you willing to, get to give up family dinners or you won't? Right. So it's, everything's a trade-off and, and um, yeah, there's definitely things that we're not getting done. Right. Yeah. Hey, I, I get it too. And then it's like, okay, well, you want to hire somebody, you want to get a meal service. It's, it's some of those things too. And I think if I had to do it again, I, one, I mean, I think there's a difference between being intentional and moving quickly versus I'm hustle like that hustly energy. Yes. I think it's more like the hustly energy, at least the way I feel it in my body is like out of desperation sort of. And like, <gasps> I gotta, you know, it's like, I gotta get it. I can't keep up it. Like this means, I don't know. It just feels very different in, in my body than I'm on a mission, intentional, quick step, you know, kind of thing. And so I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, if I had to do it over again, it would be intentional, not pressure maybe. Uh -huh. And then that would give me a little more space to possibly think about how can I do both? How can I get where I'm trying to get to and still take care of myself mm -hmm, because absolutely. at the end, I, I too made the trade-off. And so then like you say, after you reach the success, then there's this whole, okay, wait a minute. Now I got to go back and work on this whole other thing that I tore apart. Exactly. <laughs> got to so, recalibrate. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So anyways, and are there any other things, like any other things that you can think of about like, highlighting behind the scenes that people might get some relief from hearing from mm. someone like you who's on the other side of the magical 100k and the magical 100k <laughs> yeah, I mean I think people think it's a magical destination that like if you get to 100k or when you get to 100k your life is going to be amazing right. or that if your life is not currently uh Instagram ready, then you won't be able to get to hundred K. I think those are kind of two sides of what I see. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if this is quite the answer you're looking for, but, um, or this is the same topic, but I think the, the magical hundred K you know, one of the things I think my mentality was a little bit different because I was making, you know, I was in, I was making, you know, more than what I'm making now actually in my corporate job. And so it was important for me to replace it. And I kind of walked into doing the, starting my own business with the expectation that I, that I had to, and would earn hundred K because that's minimum. Cause that's what I needed in order to continue paying all the bills that I had. Um, so yeah, I've never, I didn't think of it as a, ma a magical expect as a magical destination. I just thought I just, it was just an expectation mm. and perhaps that's why I was able to get there. So, you know, in my, in that first year, because I just, I never doubted that that's what would happen or that that's what I could do. Um, but I think sort of this idea that you have to be perfect, like the perfect coach, or you have to have it all figured out, um, in order to be able to make 
a you know, make whatever living it is that you need to make for yourself. Um, that's what I, I see people kind of struggling with. Um, they're just, they're not ready to make the money. And say more about that. Um, like what sort of what you started with Tavana that like, um, you know, what they have to offer isn't enough or it's not possible um, to make, to replace the income that a company is giving you. It's this, this idea that there's sort of this getting a paycheck somehow just magically happens, right? In a way, people just sort of expect that the paycheck is, if they've had a regular job for a long period of time, that they just expect that the paycheck is there and yet they think that that is not available to them through their own business because they're now getting that money from individuals instead of corporations or, um, and of course it's, of course it's there. And you, of course you have the skill set um, to deserve to be compensated for your skill set. Yeah. I think you, you bring up a couple of good points there. And I think about this in two ways in terms of some people go into this thinking, I, excuse me, especially super high in, um, income earners think I have to replace my income in order to leave my job. And sometimes I just ask people to just play with the possibility that that's not true. Like, what would you need to sustain yourself to be able to walk away and not feel clingy and graspy when it comes to sales in your business? And then the other thing that you said that I thought was so poignant is that it was not just an expectation like you're entitled to it, but it's like, of course, I know how to create this amount of value in the world. And this is my bare minimum standard for me to be able to take care of my family and my bills. And it, it almost, it sounds like to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that was like a driver for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you said it, I think so much better just now, but yeah, there was that that expectation that of course I could and and yeah it was a driver and I needed to do this for my family and what you just said was also really important I thought about the need to replace your income like I actually haven't fully when I when I look at everything I got from my corporate job you know including they paid for my cell phone they paid for my computer I got bonuses I had health benefits uh, yeah you know, I had all, so when you, when you add up all the things, um, that I got from my corporate job, um, I, I definitely have not replaced my income and yet I'm okay. Sometimes I still don't know how I'm okay, but, <laughs> but you know, now, listen, Veronica, nothing replaces freedom and peace of mind. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Nothing replaces freedom and peace of mind. Oh my goodness. Just this week, my oldest son asked me, uh, cause I was sharing some of the stressors, you know, I was like running your own business is stressful. Like, I don't know when my next paycheck is necessarily, I mean, I do know because I have a strategy, but, <laughs> but, uh, but not in the sense of every two weeks I get a paycheck. Right. Right. And I was talking about that stress. And he said, he said, would your previous company take you back? And it was funny because in that moment, I realized that I hadn't even thought about going back. And I said, yes, of course they would. I know they would take me back. I have no doubt. I don't know if anyone, any of them is listening and they're like, she's full of it. No, but um, <laughs> Wait, this was, this was one of your children. It was one of my children. No. So I, I said, yeah, my That's company, awesome. my company would take me back. And in that moment I said, 
but I, I would never go back. I can't even imagine going back. Listen, this is what people ask me now. I, I'm uh, March will be two years without putting hands on a patient. And people ask me, you know, do you like, would you go back? And without hesitation, the answer is no. No. With it, yeah, without, without hesitation. hesitation. Like, do I miss it? Sometimes certain aspects of it, but would I go back? It's like, I don't even know that you can pay me right. to go back at this point. And that's a really interesting space to be in, in my mind after I, I was in PT for 19 years before the pandemic. Yes. So, you know, you spend almost two decades of your life and then with you two in, in corporate and it's yes. just like, oh my gosh, it, because there's like a trajectory that happens. It's like we want it. And then I don't know if this happened to you, but when they got close to time to actually be like, for real, no, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. Then there was the freak out that happened. And then there was like, okay, I'm doing it. Take off the training wheels. I can still hold the bike up. And then it's like, I'm gone. This is the best thing ever. Yeah. No, it's such a good point. I was so glad that my son asked me that question because I didn't even realize it until he asked me that it was a no and it was a hell no. Like it was a strong no. And yeah, I experienced something similar. I stepped down a little bit. So I first went to part, I went from full-time to part-time and that was sort of easy. That felt really good. Cause I was so stressed at that point in time and working so many hours. And so it felt good to, to finally come out of the closet and tell my company, Hey, I'm starting this other business and I need to go to part-time. And because I, you know, I was juggling both for so long and um, not so long, but for a while. So that felt really good. But then I did notice that I kept delaying actually fully leaving. I kept, I was just like, oh, I can just stay part-time. And, and I knew that it was really from a space of fear. And what if I don't make it? And just having those, like you were saying, the training wheels on. And um, I wasn't even bringing that much money in at that point, but I just, I didn't want to cut the cord. <laughs> And I, it was a freak out when I finally was like, I'm completely gone. Yeah. I was like, what did I just do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's interesting. Mine was a a slightly different where, you know, the pandemic happened. I was like, I'm good. And, but it was always like, they would want, it was with the mindset that I was still technically on staff and that they might call the contractors back in at some point, but I've always worked with them as a contractor, if you don't work, you don't get paid. So when it came to the point where they did start calling us back and they were like, do you want hours? I was like, give them the people that need them. And then after I didn't put my name on the schedule for so long, the manager called me up and was like, um, so we've got to talk about this. Are you still here? Oh my gosh. You're talking about sweating, panic, terror all through my body because the safety net was being in my mind, being ripped away from me. Yes, the safety net they were the first ones to take it from me. And I was able to show myself that I could fly. So it's, um, and it's interesting to me, Tavana, cause you said that you weren't, you weren't even working any hours for, you hadn't worked any hours for a while. Like so it wasn't, months. yeah. So it wasn't even a real safety net in the sense that there was no money coming in from it. <laughs> no, I didn't even get the, um, whatever the little unemployment and all the stimulus cause something happened with HR and the paperwork. I never got it. Wow. So, yeah. Fascinating the way that the way all of this works. Our minds trick us, right? I think that's maybe something 
I would love for your audience to walk away with, right? That safety, like our mind tricks us that there's a safety net. Like you felt like you had a safety net and we feel like we need that safety net. And um, then when you walk away from it and you realize that safety net was just holding you back. Mm-hmm. Like a parachute and you're yeah. trying to run. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So before I ask my last question, yeah, please tell the people how they can find you, follow you, learn from your wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. So um, you can find me at veronicaarcher.com or on Facebook if you look at uh, Veronica Archer International. And I think, uh, I don't know if you have perhaps in the show notes, um, a link to uh, if they want um, some information about how to kind of be free if they've experienced um, these kinds of abusive relationships or trying to kind of be free from difficult emotions. Um, there's some information that they can get for free and uh, learn how to do that. And of course, Veronica is like spelled with a K. Thank you, Tawana. His name is Veronica. Veronica. And, and, you know, of course, with a name like this, everybody that I've not, uh, pretty much almost everybody has a name that is not traditionally spelled. So. <laughs> of course, V-E-R-O-N-I-K-A. Yeah, it's yeah. from my, my Czech heritage. <laughs> awesome saw. So, so thank you. Thank you for that. And tell me, like, if you could go back and talk to the the previous version of yourself about what you know now, what would be one piece of advice you would give her? Mm, previous version of myself. What would be one piece of advice? Gosh, I actually have three things that are coming up for me. (laughs) One feels really trite and it's one that I tell my kids, but it's to follow your passion because your passion doesn't really change. You know, I was wanting to work with people way back when my early twenties doing therapy or something similar to what I'm doing now. And I walked away from that for a variety of reasons and I've just come full circle and gosh, I wish I had just done it back in my twenties, you know, I wish I'd pursued that dream then and where would I be now? So that's, that's one to follow your passion. And then the second one, maybe, maybe more important is to trust yourself because there were so many things that I knew on on a gut level, you know, I knew not to marry my husband, for example, I knew that I wanted to do something similar to what I'm doing but I I allowed my brain to override it Mm. and to talk myself out of the things that I really knew I needed or or wanted in my life, whether it's relationship, whether it's career um, or all kinds of things. So to really listen to that inner voice and to trust it, that would probably be my my biggest piece of advice. Because in fact, if I'd listened to that voice and trusted it, I would have followed my passion, right? So the first thing I said, follow your passion actually kind of falls underneath that listen to your inner voice and trust it and go with it. Even when it feels crazy and scary and you're like, I don't understand how that's going to work. Trust it. And like <laughs> never leads you astray. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Veronica, for coming on and participating in this dream with me. And thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Uh-huh. 
And if you want to continue the conversation with us, join our private community at TavanaDenise.com forward slash join. This is your place to get real, get honest, and share what's on your mind and heart as a woman building a business online. I can't wait to meet you on the inside.